Hello everyone. So obviously there are a lot of issues I could talk about here, including a major news event that just came out today. But my last episode was actually 28 minutes long and I did actually talk about this particularly important news event. So I'm going to actually delve into something a little bit different here today. And it's sort of like the general topic of social problems. So obviously some of those are going to be physical, like violent crime. However, however, most social problems are not merely the results of something one person did, but rather of things people do not do. Sociologist C. Wright Mills noted way back in 1959 that, quote, the very structure of opportunities has collapsed. Both the correct statement of the problem and the range of possible solutions require us to consider economic and political institutions of the society, and not merely the personal situation and character of a scatter of individuals, end quote. So for instance, a child in an impoverished household is perhaps more likely to be abused than a child in an affluent home. However, um, this does not mean we ignore abuse in either type of environment. The main point is that a lot of stuff needs to be taken on a case-by-case basis. Um, And and that includes, you know, how we assess broader issues. For example, on average, it may be more difficult for poor, abused children to acquire skills and knowledge that will enable them to escape abuse. However, if someone is from a well-off background, there is a stereotype that they're less likely to be abused, so society could also ignore or downplay instances of abuse even in some wealthier homes. Plus, a well-connected abuser might have more means by which to cover up their abusive behavior. It's also generally the case that a person's background and income are potential predictors of certain behaviors. Maybe it's not always the case that these are crucial predictors, but may fit in broadly from a statistical perspective. But, you know, I mean, just looking at it it plainly, I think one missing part of the puzzle here is that if you want parents to treat their children well, society should also treat parents well. And that's basically what a psychologist named John Bowlby said. He said, if a community values its children, it must cherish their parents. And you know what? I would broaden these conclusions to involve a wide variety of issues. Just as you treat a child and their parents well, if you want a prosperous, healthy nation, you should support the liberty of the press and critical thinking skills and education, if you want an intelligent public with a wide range of knowledge and interests. Fortunately, there is actually still potential for this to happen through media, as laughable as that may sound in light of the rampant anti-intellectualism of the past several years. And uh, it's possible I'm echoing some elements of humanistic psychology when I say some of these things. I'm not an expert on humanistic psychology or criticisms thereof, and I don't want to give short thrift to things like 
hard work and discipline as factors. But I think a lot about human potential involves people being negatively impacted by life's circumstances, many of which are not totally within an individual's control. That's why certainly to a greater extent, we should try to create a society that removes unnecessary or unnatural impediments to individual human development and achievement. There are definitely social determinants of human behavior. Even if it does not explain everything, it can still be broadly validly considered. The National Library of Medicine has a document titled Social Determinants of Mental Health, Where We Are and Where We Need to Go. And it looks at circumstances of social determinants and how they impact people. The document says, I'm quoting again, These circumstances, social determinants, are believed to drive many deep-rooted world health inequalities such as lower life expectancy, higher rates of child mortality, and greater burden of disease among disadvantaged populations. Social determinants frameworks build upon the concept of the social gradient that individuals with lower social status have greater health risks and lower life expectancy than those with higher status, and the impact of social position can accumulate over time. Observed differences in social determinants are thought to develop from unequal distribution of resources. Thus, they can be reduced through targeted social and economic policies and programs. So that's ending the quote right there. So that, that's a lot of words, but, you know, um, it's, it's, it's food for thought. But basically, it's just saying, you know, we should help people out um, rather than hurt them with society's institutions. It's sort of just like a fancy way of saying that, right? And um, some people would accuse that of being bleeding heart liberalism or whatever the hell, but personally, I would rather bet on using our resources and uh, whatever you know, social institutions we have be they government or I guess you could even use the word private if you want. But we should use those to help people rather than screw them over. Um, it's kind of a novel concept. Increasingly, organizations and individuals are recognizing that it's largely society that affects the behavior of its members. But of course, you have a lot of these people who believe pretty much the opposite somehow that the individual is like the sole determinant of how their life is going. I mean, t to me, that's always been nonsense, because if that was true, then why would, why would we even have these institutions in the first place? Like, why, would, why would we even have parents or guardians? Like, if we, if we could just figure life all out on our own or whatever, it doesn't really make sense. Like, why have schools? Uh, if you're religious, why have churches? Why have anything if, you know, we can, if we're all, all so well equipped to figure life out on our own? Um, it, it doesn't really add up logically. It defies common sense and common experience. Um, 
you can see how people end up languishing if they don't have any sort of assistance or anything like that. So basically, to me, it's akin to a lie to uh, exaggerate, you know, the spirit of the individual. Because, well, even if even if we're talking about rich people and stuff like that, well, how do they get rich? Uh, typically, through other people. <laughs> you know what I mean? So even if you're looking at a proverbial rags-to-riches story, you're still looking at a social phenomenon. And really, uh, it's not just the individual's story. Um, even if it's a success story, that appears to involve, you know, individual ambition. So no doubt individual actions have important consequences, but I think people really get carried away and make it into something really stupid when they're mythologizing the individual and the greatness that they can achieve because it's actually pretty rare um, that a success story just is truly about one person surviving unless you're unless you're talking about a literal survival scenario where like a person was stranded in the woods or something and they lived by eating twigs and berries or whatever you know uh eating bugs that's that's quite a different thing altogether so in other words i i think the debate does not require a false dichotomy between the individual and group dynamics both come into play. It just so happens that social groups and the greater environment are larger than the individual. And that's obvious. Like, if, if you had an entire town of people going after you, like, trying to hurt you or whatever, that would definitely mess up your life, right? Well, in a nutshell, that's kind of what this whole discussion would involve like like looking at the way that different social forces end up uh, negatively impacting us. In fact, in scenarios where an individual appears to have large-scale control over groups of people and the world, you have more of an unhealthy authoritarian situation where there obviously need to be limits to the power of that individual. If you don't have those limits... I think some strange and terrible things are likely to, to result. And obviously, I could delve into a lot of specifics there, but basically, I'm not going to do that today. I'm just going to leave it right here. And I think a lot of what I said here made some sense. It's possible that I could have worded a few things better here and there. But overall, I think I have made my points sufficiently. Of course, if you don't understand what I was saying on this point or that, you can always let me know on social media. Or if you, for some reason, think I'm completely wrong, again, you can contact me on social media. Try to be smart about it. Try not to be a dumbass. I know I know the whole dumbass thing is really in, in vogue right now, but, you know, try to be um, intelligent with it. I'll just put it that way. So that's basically all I have to say for now. Um, I guess I'll have more episodes soon. And uh, there's going to be a, a trend with this 
um, podcast. I'm going to be creating more episodes faster than I have in the past, probably. And uh, obviously, there are still going to be some weeks where maybe I won't do more than two, but who knows? I might have somewhere I get three or four done. So, But anyway, that's about it. Have a good day.